Luke, the Gospel according to Luke, chapter 21, verse 34. Be on guard so that your hearts are not weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness, nor are your hearts weighed down with the worries of this life so that that day will not catch you unexpectedly. When opportunity knocks, when opportunity knocks. My friends, I picked up an interesting book last week. It's by British journalist Ruth Whitman. It's entitled, America the Anxious, How Our Pursuit of Happiness is Creating a Nation of Nervous Wrecks. As a recent immigrant to the West Coast, Whitman sought to understand America's seeming love affair with happiness and positivity, a multi-billion dollar empire of self-help. From Unleash Your Hidden Tony Robinson's Conference, to the Power of Positive Thinking Seminars, to the Mindfulness Meditation Craze, Whitman noticed a trend in our nation. The more Americans spend trying to overcome dark realities with feel-good cliche phrases, the more you and I try to deflect negativity with feel-good mantras, and the more we attempt to project, I'm living my best life on Facebook and Instagram, the higher the reported levels of depression, despondency, and despair. Is it causation? Is it correlation? She doesn't say, but she does pull the curtain back on some troubling practices in this self-help empire. For instance, she recounts a scene at one high-priced feel-good conference. The moderator would call one participant after another up to the stage, and participants would then divulge details about their personal life. Every time a person would offer up an account of heartbreak, an account of abuse or fear or neglect, the moderator would coach them to say, it didn't happen. The goal of the practice was to help people overcome the pain of their past by not acknowledging the pain of their past. They cited this as the ability to distinguish to distinguish between the facts and distinguish between our negative interpretation of the facts. For it's negative interpretations that must go. Well, I believe that this sort of activity reveals two enduring truths about our nation. The first comes in the famous quote by Mark Twain. And that is, denial is not just a river in Egypt. 
And the second one is similar to it. We protect ourselves by refusing to know ourselves. We would rather project positive illusions than confront harsh realities. Embrace simplistic lies than interrogate difficult truths. Certainly, my brothers and sisters, not everything that we confront can be changed. But nothing can be changed unless it's confronted. This is what today's gospel lesson is about. How do we confront harsh realities? How do we interrogate difficult truths? Jesus is here. He's here teaching religious leaders and the Judean elites about the coming travails. He's teaching those with their heads, who have their heads stuck in the proverbial sand. Don't be caught by surprise, by stress and strife. Don't try to ignore calamity and catastrophe. Don't be surprised by adversity and affliction. For your privilege can't preserve you. Your performances of piety can't protect you. For when the pains, problems, and perils of evil come like a thief in the night, you have got to be ready. You've got to remember. You've got to remember the teachings of the laws and the prophets. Get ready. You've got to remember, be kind to the stranger, for you were once strangers in the land of Egypt. Get ready. You've got to remember, Jeremiah told us that God desires the execution of justice and righteousness in the land. You've got to remember, Micah's already told us what is good. Do justice, love mercy, walk humbly before our God. Get ready. Now's not the time to slumber. Now is not the time to doze off to the lullabies of our own perceived privilege, nor is now the time to feel overwhelmed by what may seem like the ubiquity of evil, suffering, and corruption in our world. We've got to get ready. In the words of James Weldon Johnson, lest our feet Stray from the places, our God, where we met thee, lest our hearts, drunk from the wine of the world, we forget thee. Get ready. These, my brothers and sisters, are the themes of Advent. Advent is about anticipation. It's about preparation. We're anticipating the birth of the Christ child. We're preparing ourselves for the coming of the Prince of Peace. But anticipation and preparation, we have to know that these are not passive endeavors. Both anticipation and participation they involve us taking responsibility for the world that we live in right now. This involves a personal prayer life, yes. 
This entails personal growth and spiritual cultivation indeed, but our anticipation and our preparation can never be viewed as solitary acts. Like the happiness industry in this nation, too often we make joy and satisfaction all about the self. Joy, happiness, and fulfillment these things, they do not emerge from self-mastery and so-called personal growth alone. For when we take that attitude, we lift up the drawbridges of human relations and we dig moats around our capacity for compassion. We end up succumbing to the imperialism of the self. And we forget that another's material needs are our spiritual needs. In the words of Mother Teresa, if we have no peace, it's because we've forgotten that we belong to each other. Fulfillment, joy, happiness, all of these things depend on other people. Maybe this is the reason why that most studies show that religious people tend to be happier and feel more fulfilled than non-religious people. Now, let me be clear, it's not about whether one is Jewish, Muslim, Christian, or Hindu. Particular theologies aside, religious people tend to have higher levels of engagement with others in the community. Religious people are more likely to volunteer time helping others, visiting with friends, supporting their communities, and providing for others in the community in need. And these are the features of a happy and healthy and productive life. And these are the ways that we can prepare ourselves by creating the world right now that we want to see not in spite of suffering, but in the midst of human suffering. Disappointment, disappointment and distress, they're all around us. Chaos and corruption are commonplace. Evil and injustices, eh, they're everywhere. Yet we should not be surprised, nor should we be particularly afraid. Stand up and stand strong, Jesus is saying, for this is our opportunity. Opportunity is knocking. For when we see, when we, when we witness anti-Semitism on a rise, throughout North America and Europe. When we witness the murders of journalists and the erosion of human rights across the globe, when Palestinian and Syrian children are unable to quench their thirst at the wells of freedom and equality, when babies at the border choke on tear gas and mothers are separated from their children. Don't just despair, for amidst the clamor of suffering, hear the knock of opportunity. 
an opportunity to raise one's voice, an opportunity to contribute to a cause, an opportunity to serve with hearts of grace and hands of compassion. For when we stand strong against evil and abuse in this world, we are preparing to stand with the Son of God. Oh, during this Advent season, Remember, my brothers and sisters, that we're preparing the way with our actions. Opportunity knocks. Many of us, we donate food, we donate money and toys for those in need during the holiday season. This is appropriate, please do. But I also want to remind, I want to remind you that this is a season also of sadness and loneliness for many. There are plenty of us with money in the bank, food in the refrigerator, but yet still stand in need today of something that Amazon cannot deliver. Company, conversation, the present of human presence. A few years ago, a German grocery store aired a heart-wrenching yet instructive commercial. The commercial showed an old man coming home with a handful of groceries during the holiday season. When he entered his home, he heard the voice of his daughter on the answering machine, and she was letting her father know that her family could not make it home for Christmas this year. The commercial proceeds to show the elderly man sitting alone eating dinner. He's shown in several different outfits. One suspects it's because it's years since the children have returned home for the holidays. The man is there eating in front of a Christmas tree all by himself. The next Christmas, the children receive a telegram. The telegram says that their father has passed away. We see them in the commercial shutting down their busy big city lives to return to the small country town for the funeral. When they enter the house with tears in their eyes, they find a decorated Christmas tree and a feast spread across the table. And the father enters the room and he asks, how else could I have brought you all together? The commercial ends with the family enjoying a holiday dinner full of joy and laughter. My point in sharing this story is not to plant any ideas in anybody's head. I'm not into emotionally blackmailing family members. But it is to say this in the words of Emily Dickinson, behavior is what a man does, not what he thinks, feels, or believes. So if you and I believe in the coming of justice, righteousness, and peace in the name of Christ, then let's behave accordingly this Advent season. There's no need to wait. Opportunity knocks and we can answer today. Let the church say amen.